1: From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Antia poker PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's April 5th, 2019, you're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza,
1: And I'm Scott Long. Home for a little bit, then back out again, aren't you, buddy? 48 hours, and then across the pond. Yep. <laughs> how do you do it? And then home for 48 hours, I'm on a cruise ship. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, man. I don't know uh, how you do it. I'll tell you, I don't know how I do it anymore, too. I uh, Every trip, I feel older and older. So we'll, You look we'll
0: older see. and older, too. That's the thing.
1: We'll see what shape I'm in May 1st. but <laughs> Living life as it goes, though, right? So.
0: <laughs> but you know what? I, I follow you on Facebook now, and uh, I saw something that said to the effect of hashtag love my job. So, hey, keep
1: doing it. That's true, I do. If I you do. love your job, you'd never work
0: a day in your life.
1: <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't love going out to the Cuiva Hotel on Phoenix and talking to poker players and playing some cards, right? Yeah, it's I good. guess. Yeah. It's a sweet little gig we got, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got it. You stay you, home.
0: You guys I stay home and uh, talk to myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yes, next week, uh, actually, next two weeks, I'll be in uh, Italy. So uh, next week, we, we have a special Hand of the Week show lined up for you, already recorded in the can. And then, uh, then we'll be back two weeks from now with a regular show. So enjoy your last regular show for two weeks today.
0: Yeah, and we don't want to give it away, but I have a feeling uh, someone named Vic is going to be on next week's show. Probably. I, probably. I, I, don't, I don't want to give it away, though. Everybody to tune in and see if their hand got used. I don't know. He's trending at Antio. <laughs> He's trending. Hashtag Vic G. <laughs>
1: All right, but as I mentioned, uh, the Annie of Spring Poker Classic at Hilo River Hotels and, and Casinos the Cuiva near Phoenix uh, finished up last weekend and uh, had a great time. You know, we we mentioned often a lot about how nice the resort was on uh, last week's show, so I won't repeat that other than to say it's a very nice resort, so go out and visit sometime right. <laughs> and support our our, um, our partners. But uh, a couple interesting stories that came out, uh, as they always do. Um, our champion this year is uh, Mantis Stakellis twenty uh, six year old Lithuanian. And uh you know, I always talk about this every anti tour uh show we do that uh, when you're sitting at the final table you're you're as a journalist you're you're trying to craft storylines for all the different players so you know whoever wins which story's gonna go and sometimes you don't know what that story is and this was another case where I didn't know where that story was going to go. Um uh Mantis uh Mantis was uh, obviously a very uh skilled player. He he knocked out uh all but three players at the final table. Uh, didn't make any mistakes that I could tell at, uh, at the final table. He did make one earlier in the tournament, he told me about later. Um, but uh, he did it all kind of quietly. So I'm like, I don't know I don't know what I'm going to write about this guy, other than he just destroyed the table, which is a good story in itself, right? Um, and then it turned out really interesting. So that's when I learned uh, afterwards that he's uh, from Lithuania. Um, I knew that before because on had to mob all his caches were from Lithuania. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it turns out he, uh, his, his uncle was in Phoenix, um, and he had, uh, he travels a lot like most, um, uh, Europeans or, I don't know, Lithuania is it technically Europe now. It used to be, I don't know, but anyhow, people over there <laughs> like to travel a lot, um, and had the time and he had just spent a couple of weeks in, uh, Mexico grinding, uh, online poker and then, uh, decided to pop up and say hi to his uncle, uh, who was also from Lithuania and moved over here several years ago. And then he got up there, and he he realized there was a poker tournament, and he likes to play poker. So we entered, and here he is, $18,000 richer. (laughs) Man.
0: Unbelievable how you can just sort of stumble upon something like that and say, oh, by the way, I just happen to be coming home with $18,000 more than I started with.
1: Yeah, and he's not done either. He's um, He's going to stick around Phoenix for another week, he said. Then he's going to San Diego and play some poker there. And then he's going to Vegas and meet up some friends, play some poker there. And then, then he said he's headed home. I asked him if he was going to come out for the World Series because he obviously won a seat in our World Championship, so he's going to come back for that um, in end of July. And he mentioned is right after the World Series, so he'd definitely be there. So I'm like, "Are you going to play the whole series?" And He's like, "No, I actually, I'm looking forward to going home. I like Lithuania in the summertime. Uh, it's you know, he lives in a seaside town there. and He says it's really beautiful, and that's his kind of his chill out area. He doesn't play any poker during those couple months, so." Um, sounds like he's going to come over, um, towards the end of the world series and play some then, but, um, but again, a kind of interesting story. I mean, when you hear about these, the, when you say, Hey, this guy was just grinding online poker in Mexico for two weeks, you kind of think he's a normal poker degenerate, right? That does nothing but play poker and then go out and party at night. Like, which is kind of the image, right? But it's, it's not, I mean, he's got a very balanced life and. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then the other thing that was interesting, um, actually a couple of interesting things in the article that we already posted online, will be on our next issue, so be sure to read that and learn more about Mantis. Um, but, uh, he likes to meditate, and he actually thinks it's odd that more poker players don't meditate, so he had a really brutal hand earlier in the tournament where, um, he lost half a stack on a bad bluff and um, he did exactly what you're supposed to do there instead of steam away your chips on the next end he got up left uh, there's a couple benches out front um, and it's very quiet there in the in the parking area at Pequiba and uh, he just sat there and meditated for five or ten minutes he said got back in the right frame of mind and then came back in and, and obviously went on to win the tournament so um, a lot we can learn from this 26 year old kid as I call <laughs> we need
0: to get you a spoiler alert announcement like soundbite or something. I mean, not only are you telling the whole story, but then you're telling the interesting parts of the story. You know, it should be like, hey, Mantis won our event. Here's some other interesting things. Let's move on. Read the magazine.
1: (laughs) You're killing our subscriptions. There's still other stuff in there, so. right, Go go read, but uh, one thing I did resist, and I think we're going to resist, all the uh, staff there was wanting to call him Praying Mantis. Uh. Giggling about that, so we're now now if he went out to pray outside rather than meditate, then that would make perfect sense. <laughs> meditating mantis. He's got the alliteration it. going there, so that might work. <laughs> um, also at the final table, we we were uh this is another storyline that I was working on. He was the chip leader coming into day two, was Earl Barron. Uh he won an NBA title with the Miami Heat back in uh, 2006. two thousand and six He's played for a lot of NBA teams and a lot of uh basketball teams around the world now retired and coaching a, um, uh, a development league, uh, basketball team in the Phoenix area. Um, and plays a lot of poker. He had about, I think $120,000 in, in cashs nice. going into this. And then he, um, ended up, fi- uh, finishing third. So we added to that total as well too. So, um, and I watched him a lot. Uh, very good, very quiet, very deliberate player. Um, it did very well, but uh, I sent you a picture from the final table because I felt bad for this guy the entire time. Um, gorgeous poker room, love it. Uh, the seats are super comfortable, which is nice, um, but uh, they don't adjust. That's the only thing. Um, so I found it a little uncomfortable even with my little short five foot seven frame. <laughs> my knees were, were not great in uh, a long session um, a Cash because I had to keep moving them around, whereas normally I would jack that. Seat up really high, make myself look super tall, <laughs> right. dominating. Um, so then I, I saw this guy. I'm like, wow, he is seven feet tall. I mean, literally seven feet tall. That's, and uh, I'm not even making that up. It's actual seven feet tall. Yes, and um, and all legs, <laughs> and uh, just seeing him have to cram the, those big long legs under that table for uh, two straight days of poker was killing me. And then finally at the final table, as people got knocked out, he was able to spread out a little bit <laughs> and extend those legs. Um, I was actually surprised, you know, when you get up after a while like that, your your legs fall asleep, and you just fall over. I was like, <laughs> can stand up and fall over. But, <laughs> nope, got right up. Well, on, I guess that's what, what it's like to be a professional athlete. Actually. I have
0: to admit, I have to admit that I was pulling for him to win, because I thought that would be a hilarious cover with, like, his whole head cut off the cover.
1: Oh, I was you already know? working on some ideas like yeah, that. Yeah, that
0: would have been so awesome, no. but... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, have you seen that Kevin Hart picture with uh, uh, oh, Yao Ming? And, yeah, um, Yao Ming, yep. Jack. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I'm like, those would be great. But, uh, but super nice guy, so, so very happy with him. Um, also, the the final table, too, aside from um, Earl, uh, there's one other guy there that had about 120,000 in live caches. On even, and Mantis is good of a player he is, and he, he's had probably a dozen caches, but total, I mean, nothing more than, not more than. Uh, 17,000 going into the day, uh, going into this tournament. So he, he doubled his live caches. Um, the rest of the table were all amateurs. Uh, they had a couple caches each on Hendon Mob, and all for small Phoenix area tournaments. So very interesting to see a final table like that because generally at our events, um, there's a lot of amateurs. That's what we like. Um, that's what Anteup is all about, right? But at, at end of the day, the more established players end up making their way to the final table um and this was an exception so that was kind of cool to watch um you know, can't eventually. say
0: they're amateurs though they they, they may have be a cash game player for a living that's, yeah. that's true but uh, they aren't so they they're not in have of
1: um extensive hidden mom cash
0: there outside. you go there you go see <laughs> I'm, i got I, the editor never leaves me i guess <laughs> that's right no it's a good point very good point so. um
1: and another wild thing not a single chop discussion at the final table, and I put in the notes seriously, seriously. Um, <laughs> amazing. Not a discussion, um, and even more hilarious uh, and and hard to understand when I tell you this is the first any poker tour main event that I remember, and I, I'm pretty sure it is that ended in daylight. Um, and so we were able to take some good cover photos outside in front of the beautiful uh, casino, rather than the you know the boring stuff inside the table or. Uh, chips at the table, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. And if I told somebody that happened, they're like, okay, well, were they chopped seven-handed in seven ways? <laughs> like, no, they didn't chop at all. They just played really fast. Um. But not a single chop discussion. Um, a duo did tell me when they got heads up, there was like um, uh, uh, Mantis and um, Jesus, uh, the final two, uh, very quickly, uh, somebody mentioned something, and the other one dismissed it right away. So I guess technically, there was a, a chop whisper <laughs> towards <laughs> the end um, but but no chop discussions um, for the entire final table and also interesting because a lot of our uh, the lead up tournaments ended in chops, so i mean it 's definitely a, a place that people do discuss deals. Um, they just didn't want to discuss the deal for this, which, again, for, for poker purists and watching it, um, that was fun. Because I actually like to see it play out to a to an end, um, an ending. Um, as a journalist who wants to uh, not miss my flight, I <laughs> do appreciate when they end and chop pretty quickly when we get out of there. But, um, so that was interesting as well. Um, Joe Vilhauer, who's uh, one of our regulars on the Antioch Cruises, I walked in the first day of the main event on break, and he was walking out the door um on break and I was walking in and he's like hey Scott I'm like oh my gosh what are you doing here Joe um talked to him at uh, day 2 he was the chip leader for his flight I think he was second in chips going into day 2 after Earl um and he ended up uh <clears throat> finishing 11th um but I stopped him cuz I you know when you go on the cruise unless you you, know, you don't always ask people where they're from right, right. um he just come on the cruise and hey there's Joe again right um, but so I had asked him, like, I, maybe he did lives in Phoenix and flies all the way out for our cruises, which would be amazing. And he's like, Nope, nope, I live in Tennessee. Um, but, uh, I have some buddies that live out here, and I came out to visit them, and, uh, we all came out and played the main event. So that was pretty cool. But, nice. Uh, again, we're bringing people from across the country, literally, to play in our events now, and, and people that we know as well, too. So looking forward to him coming on another cruise and talking about uh, his time at Eagle River. Um, and then, uh, um, we will be back. Uh, not to, not to be quite yet. Hopefully we'll renew that and we'll be out there next year at the same time. Uh, but we will be back at the Gila River Hotels and Casino family in November <clears throat> at their Wild Horse Pass, which is their um, flagship property a little closer to Phoenix. So um, plan to come out there. Um, and then uh, we've been teasing an announcement on another stop, and it's finally official. Uh, Hamul Casino near San Diego will host an Antioch Poker Tour series September 20th to 29th. We'll have more details um, to share with you when they develop. And then uh, here's where we're going next. The Antioch World Championship and Antioch Up Cal Classic at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, July 6th to the 28th. Atlantis Casino Resort Spa in Reno, Nevada, August 15th to 25th. Humboldt Casino near San Diego, September 20th to 29th. And Wild Horse Pass and Hotel and Casino uh, near Phoenix, November 11th to 16th.
0: You've been talking a lot. Do you want me to read the next item? Uh, Sure, go ahead. (laughs) West Virginia has become the fifth state to allow online poker, as Governor Jim Justice allowed a bill permitted online slots, table games, and poker to become law without his signature. The state's five casinos aren't expected to start offering the games until 2020, and because of the state's small size, it's not expected to be able to host viable poker games on its own, and will pending Wire Act interpretations need to partner with some or all of the other online poker states on sharing players it, it's still it's just one more little drop in the bucket you know until we fill it up I, I, I it's good news it's good news
1: yeah so um, and I think this is kind of the playbook that I think we're gonna see a lot of governors do uh, most states allow um, bills to become law without a signature after um, a certain amount of time um, its basically always- no,
0: sorry, sorry.
1: <laughs> <Exactly>. sorry. <laughs> it's, a, it's a way for uh, for governors to have a little uh, political cover so they don't uh, get slapped on the um, campaign ads the next time saying that they supported uh, horrible online gaming yeah right now they but they can still allow it to happen without the signature so I would imagine we'll see that in some other states as it continues to work through as you mentioned Michigan would be a fantastic one if they allowed <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um so yeah but again i mean we keep adding smaller states um and so you know they obviously the smaller state it's hard to have the that player liquidity we talked about that's a, that's important um and before this whole wire Act, uh shenanigans as i call it happened um you know it, it made good sense for these states to partner up and and add everybody's player liquidity to it um but uh now the with this new Wire Act interpretation, it makes it very difficult to to do those kind of partnerships without some you know strong legal backing behind you. So we'll have to wait and see whether that gets re re reinterpreted, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that'll help. But if not, um, uh, not to be a Debbie Down here, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think our our friends in West Virginia are going to enjoy the poker offerings. Um, certainly, um, online slots and table games don't take anybody. Um, don't need players, uh, to be fun. So, but poker obviously does. So let's wait and see how that all happens.
0: Yeah. But again, it's just another state. Uh, what we're hoping for is that on the federal level, they see all these states continuing to do this and they're like, Hey, I mean, really, who are we to stay in the way? And we would benefit so much from it. You know, it's already there. Why not just regulate it and then make it federal. So just one more state, one more state, keep adding them. We need New York, California, and Florida on board and then we'll be good to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You get those three big ones. Even Texas would be great. In Texas, yeah, which those never happens. Four happened. big ones, and then then it's all over at that point. I think, and now you get enough to to really make it work. But yeah. we'll um, see. We'll all see. those states are, are very slow <laughs> on this right now. So, um, all right. Uh, poker player Shannon Soroka has been charged with forcing his way into pro Darian Ellis's home and threatening his babysitter with a gun. The babysitter, who Soroka had separated from Elias's uh, two-year-old child escaped and called for help and Soroka was apprehended and faces numerous charges I mean
0: I mean doesn't he know that all poker players are broke
1: <laughs> I mean seriously I mean I, I didn't think about that but that's wh- pretty funny what kind of plan is this <laughs> well it, you could tell it was not a plan at all I mean you know I, I guess you know what 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 uh, uh, Darren guessed when he was being interviewed was that uh, obviously the Player, he didn't know this guy, as far as I know, but um, obviously figured the player knew of him, and uh, figured that the house would be empty if he's playing poker, not realizing <laughs> that he has a family, um, and thought it'd be uh, an easy in and out smash and grab. And nope, turns out there's a babysitter and a kid and all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and then of course you bring the gun in because you know that's what you when you expect some nobody to be home. It's yeah. always nice to have gun for yeah. you know whatever reason, right? Um And then it was pretty easy to figure out. I'm like, <laughs> you told a babysitter, stay here. I'll be back. <laughs> I'm like resourceful, very resourceful to say, hey, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to get out. I mean, that's tough though. I mean, I've never been a babysitter. I mean, obviously I've watched my niece and nephew from time. Um, you, I know you watch your grandkids from time to time. But uh, it's tough to make a decision to to leave, leave them alone in the home yeah. and go get help. But it turned out to be the right decision it's just
0: it's just unbelievable, and then he why does he, he decides to split them up, like okay, get in the room over there, and why what what's the little kid going to do you know what i mean yeah, why not, exactly. why not lead the little kid and then well, with her, and then let her go. She's going to run away. She's going to take the kid with her anyway. It doesn't matter. You're in the house to get the goods anyway. Just a whole. You could tell he was totally just
1: shocked by what happened when he got into that house. And yeah, it's not not uh, it will be featured on a future episode of World's Dumbest Criminal. So. <laughs> and uh, this is all alleged, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the list of charges was insane. So he's going to be lucky getting out of all those. But, uh, but on a more serious note, I mean, how scary though? I yeah, mean. Yeah. You know that babysitter jeez i mean again like i said i mean she kept her uh wits about her and, and got out and got help but um you know that that's gonna mess her up for a while right yeah and, um fortunately i think the kid is two so he probably doesn't remember any of that but um what an, a violation of of your your safety i mean now now you gotta think you know hey when i go out to play poker which is my job do i have to worry about some idiot in this room knowing i'm here and going and trying to rob me
0: yeah, or any actually, or any any gambling in Denver, you know, not just not just poker, but yeah, you always think that. Especially, that's why you're always talking about the security to walk into your car and stuff. And you're in a casino, you know. I mean, Greg Fossilman, remember Fossilman and Raymer got, uh, you know, in that casino where they tried to hold him up because he'd won a bunch of money at the tables, and he fought him off and everything. And it, it's just you just never know. You got it. It's got nothing to do with being poker. It's it's it has to do with desperation and there are low lives out there and. People think they see an opportunity to make money an easy way or a violent way, and they take advantage of it. And this guy, obviously, uh, Darren Elias is a good player, and they're both from the East Northeast. So, you know, you probably saw him playing, watched him play, knew how good he was, and then just one night casually followed him home, saw where he lived, and then said, "All right, I'm going to wait till I know Elias is in a tournament or something." And uh, just crazy. You have to be. You have to be careful, man. You got to. You know, that's why being, like, uh, rambunctious or or obnoxious at a poker room is is not really to your benefit, you know, because you're calling attention to yourself, and then people, one, maybe they want a vendetta against you, they resent your attitude, but two, they see you winning a bunch of money, and you're calling attention to yourself, you know, there are people out there who want to do shit like this, and that's just crazy, crazy. Scary, scary stuff. It really is. All right, let's do some more fun stuff. Anti-Updates, our 2019 Anti-Up Poker Cruise schedule includes an eight-night Southern Caribbean adventure and two shorter weekend cruises. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to advanced poker training and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. And we love hearing from our fans. If you have a Hand of the Week listener spotlight or a call the floor submission, email us at podcastantiapmagazine.com or post in the Anti-Up Fans group on Facebook. And how do you do that? Well, you join the group. Uh, you can post anything you want, uh, hands, call the four questions, anything poker. Just go to Facebook and search for Annie Up fans. Uh, don't forget, you can get all our details uh, to our cruises at com slash cruise. You know, we were going to have an O'Malley's move this week, but then we thought, you know, Scott's going to Italy. And uh, one, it would be fun to see him do his reaction to a O'Malley's move in an Italian accent when he gets back. Buongiorno. <laughs> Buongiorno. <Sure enough. laughs> but then, uh, you know, we also realized we did a show ahead of time. So we didn't want you to have to wait way too long for the answer. So we're just going to give uh, O'Malley a two-week break as well, and then uh, we'll see him on the April 19th show. So
1: He always gets a vacation when we get a vacation. Yeah.
0: bosses, we are. Yeah, yeah it's uh, socialism at its best, I think, is what that is. I don't know. <laughs> 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 All
1: right, it's time for the com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you will get a free membership to Advanced Poker Trade in the world's number one poker trading site, and uh, first-time uh, submitter, Kenton Douglas, is in the house today, Chris. Cool. So he's getting a free membership. He is. Look at, look at how that works. Nice. Uh, all right. He was playing 2-3 No Limit Hold'em at uh, Ocean's Eleven Casino uh, this past Saturday night, and this literally was his past Saturday night, so wow. very, very fresh hand of the week. Wow. Uh, he says this is his local casino, and he's regular there. Um... And uh, it was about six hours into the session. Um, and I bought in for the max uh, 400 and was sitting on 1095 and planning on leaving soon after a very successful session. Clap. <laughs> uh, and, but the following hand came up while playing seven handed. So we'll see what happens to that 1095 in that very oh, man. successful session. Yeah. Under the gun plus one opened for a $16 raise. He said this was the standard raise all night. That player is an older gentleman who had about one thousand fifty in his stack. Wow, deep, deep, deep. Uh, he plays any two cards, but usually is a calling station and rarely shows significant aggression post flop. He built his stack in a series of awful suckouts and had much of the table on tilt. I originally was on his right, and as soon as the seat opened to his left opened up, I moved into it to get position on him. Uh, I am next to act and look down at Ace of Diamonds, King of Clo. I'm sorry, King of Hearts. Ace of Diamonds, King of Hearts.
0: This is interesting. A couple of things. Do you think the 2-3 game plays differently than, say, the 1-2 or the 1-3? I would it's, say it plays different than the 1-2, but
1: is it different than the 1-3, really? Probably not, uh, though I'm going to guess they probably have a 1-3 there and a 2-3. So what happens then, uh, the mechanics of it, I mean, that extra dollar in the small blind doesn't mean anything, which I think is the point you're getting at. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's because it's, it's a bigger game than they offer somewhere else, it attracts players with more buy that buy in more and play bigger, right? So um and kind of related though, um is that uh, you know, at a at Viquiva this time they had a um almost all their games are are limit there, right? So they have a three six limit, all the full kills as I mentioned, right? Which is awesome. They have a three six, they have a four eight, and then they also had a five ten limit game with two five blinds um that killed the ten twenty. So um, which was really interesting because you have the four eight that kills the eight sixteen, so yeah. not a whole lot of difference there um and I did hear some people ask about it uh and why they have it and they and uh one of the players visiting for the tournament I was playing uh with us asked why they didn't do a six twelve and they said they just could um the players said they just couldn't get it off the ground, but for whatever reason five ten goes off <laughs> so <laughs> but as soon as they opened the five ten uh, most of our 4A players at our table left to go play the So uh and they were the better players, right? So I, I think that's that's where it comes in, is just if they have... In a vacuum, 2-3 doesn't mean any different than 1-3, but um, if you go to the board there, and I bet you they have a 1-3 or a 1-2 or something like that, and it just attracts bigger players. So. Okay, that was probably more you wanted to hear, right? No, I
0: was just... I, uh, we we don't come across a 2-3 game very often, especially no, on the don't. show. No, so I yeah. just thought... If, I wonder if that's going to affect... Uh, how um you know how I approach this but I, I don't think it's going to uh so we want a position on this guy so clearly we wanted um you know we wanted to be able to control the hand and control how this guy played I think so I think we need to take control of this hand I I, I the interesting thing is if if the people are likely to fold behind us then um I may just call here but if I want to get this guy heads up then I probably will make it a, a decent raise again. I, it's 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 a great hand uh, because you can get away from it if you want. You can also represent things with it. You could also have top top if you hit either. So everybody likes big slick. It's just, no, I guess not. Everybody doesn't like it, but it, it's it's a hand that's you know that's powerful enough to to re raise here with. I think. Um, so I think that's what we want. I think we want to control the action with this guy. We have similar stacks. And I think we want to get heads up with him if we can. I'll play him. So I, 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 because I'm the impression I got was that he's not a very good guy, a very good player, uh, sucked out a lot and all that. So I think we're probably a better player than he is. So I don't know. Let's make it like forty-eight, fifty bucks or so, and see if we yeah, can just take it down now.
1: Yeah, I think fifty. Um, what's interesting about this play, the way he's been described, is uh, I think he. You're right. Uh, we're a better player than this guy. But he's also a tough guy to play against, I think, because if any two cards, that's always dangerous, right? Yeah. If that, and it's a calling station, um, so it's gonna be tough to get him off of any two cards, right? You're not gonna be able to bet him off of hands, um, so you're gonna have to have the goods if he's gonna call you all the way down. But he rarely shows significant aggression post flop, so you're able, you're gonna be able to take control of the hand. But again. He's probably going to call you, so <laughs> you're not going to get much information at him. So, yeah, I, again, I, I agree that uh, he, he's not probably as skillful as we are, but um, still very tough to play against that way. That's how he ends up playing this hand. So, but uh, all right. So we both said fifty. Um, our hero says this seems like a spot for standard three bet and makes it forty-five to go. That's fine yeah. with me. Yeah. Um, and it folds to the button. The button is a good, solid middle-aged player who has just stacked uh, his $830 stack and is getting ready to leave. Um, we are the three biggest stacks at the table by far. He thinks about 10 seconds and calls and folds back to the original Razor. He wastes little time and four betting to
0: $100. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm out. I'm clearly out. I I I took my chance. Ace-King is not that great of a hand. I have a lot of big stack. They have a big stack. I got a guy behind me who is the third biggest stack at the table. He's going to have position on me now, and I'm going to be in the middle of this. And generally, if calling stations are aggressive like this, they got something. They they're, Calling stations generally want to just come into the hand for as little as they can, but if they do raise, they usually have something. And if they four-bet you... That I'm out of there. I'm out of there. I mean, you're hoping he has queens, and you're hoping that you hit an ace and a king, or ace-king, or anything, and then you're hoping that the button doesn't hit what you hit, or hit something. You know what I mean? I'm out. I'm out.
1: Um, that's interesting. Um, I don't think I would have said that, but I think you're right. I mean, if you look at it, you're right. Uh, I are getting three-bet by a player that probably has a big hand, so which to me would be aces, kings, or queens. Um, the only one of those hands that we have, uh, that we can beat <laughs> is queens. We still don't have a beat right now, right? Right. Um, and then, of course, you have that other player behind you, as you mentioned. So there is a lot of danger here. Um, and particularly what you mentioned, the, the deep stacks, too. I mean, I, I don't want to get involved in a hand where I hit something if I hit an ace or king and end up getting stacked here because I'm up against a set now. Um, so... You know, if these cards are suited, you know, you had a chance maybe you could flop some plush cards and and do all right with that, but they're not. So now you're really playing for a straight, which is and it's not gonna be open ended. So um I, I don't know what a good flop's gonna be here. There doesn't seem like doesn't seem like a lot of good flops here. So I think you're right. I think we gotta fold. I, I wouldn't have thought of that until you mentioned, but that makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Hey, we agree. Okay, uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good time in Italy. <laughs>
1: All right, our hero folds, and we're done, so see you. <laughs> um, all right, uh, our hero says, at this point, I'm uncomfortable with the hand, especially with the button behind me. If stacks are shorter, I would consider a five-bet jam. But with all of us sitting over 250 big blinds, calling and evaluating after the flop seems prudent. Why call? Okay, all right, well, well, again, it depends on how you evaluate after that, but... Um, you know may- maybe we're narrowing this um older gentleman's range down too far, but it doesn't seem like it to me. I'm like you know, I'm not gonna be surprised at all. if he turns over aces or Kings at the end of his hand um so um, the button thinks for about ten seconds and then aggressively slaps in a call stating one time <laughs> uh here it says at this point, I think the button is set mining the old guy's range seems to be something like strong aces and ten ten or better. This is the type of situation where I could hit my hand and still be drawing almost dead. Yep, that's what we said. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Yep. Flop comes the king of diamonds, jack of hearts, eight of spades, and uh, let's see. Um, He says this is a decent flop for my hand. I have top pair, top kicker, and a backdoor nut straight draw, and the older gentleman checks to us. (sighs) Jeez. All right, well, there's
0: 300 in the... See, that's the thing, Scott. This is why I wanted to get out of this hand, because there's like 300 in this pot, right? Mm-hmm. It's post and There's already 300 in the pot. You've hit yep. top pair, top kicker. You only have 900 left. I mean, all right, so if you're going to bet a 30-year stack, or you're going to bet half the pot, 150, so you're going to bet, you know, 60-year stack... Uh, um. Well, it, we're playing the hand, so I I can't be afraid of aces. Uh, right now I have one, and I have top pair, top kicker. It's not a, exactly a wet board, but it's definitely wet enough that it's got Broadway and other straight implications, possibilities. I don't know if somebody's calling Queen Ten forty five dollars raise and then a hundred dollars raise. So, right. um. And I don't... But if they did that, they're obviously open-ended. So, um... Jeez. And even ten nine, nah, I don't know. Uh... But this is the thing. Let's say... Let's just say... That Under the Gun played it like he had Queens. And now he's checked because he's nervous. Now, it seems pretty basic. That doesn't seem like what's going on here. But if he was... Then what does the button have? Okay, does he have the same thing? Ace-King? Does he have the? He doesn't have the case the case kings because he would have popped it more, I think. So right. does he have? Maybe he has Jack Jack, and now he's got a set. I really feel like I eight eight, or, I, I'm or like even eight eight, yeah, or even
1: eight yeah, mentioned set mining, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: So I I can't be too cautious. I mean, why did I play the hand if I'm not going to bet it when I hit it? We wanted to get position on this guy. Uh, we did everything we were supposed to do to get position on him, and we just happened to get a caller. And now, you know, the betting had been reopened again, which is what we did not want. So, but now he checks to us, which is really fishy. You know, a lot of times people will say, hey, when they've taken the lead and really taken the lead, and then they don't bet, I mean, is he really that afraid? If he was that afraid, you know, then. He would have shoved, shoved pre-flop, or made it even more—not shoved too much—but he would have made it even more than just a hundred, right? Because that's only made it was a hundred, right? Right. So I don't know. I'm,
1: uh, jeez. Well, all right. I I'm gonna bet. This, yeah, I, I think how this hand, this flop developed, makes it a little easier for me than I was. I was scared going into this flop based on the free flop action, as we mentioned, right? Right. But now, so we we hit a top pair. We still have our ace in our hand. Um, And so the older gentleman, who I think we're most scared about, checked to us, right? So I think we have to bet now. We have to figure out what's going on here because I, I think now he's got one of two hands. Either he has pocket kings and he's trying to bait somebody into betting and then we'll check raise. And if he check raises, then I'm done here, right? I think. Um, Or he had pocket queens or a smaller pair, and now he's scared of the king. And so we can probably get him to, to go away here. Um, at the same time, we need to figure out what the button has here. So, you know, if the button was set mining as we thought and missed, they're going to be out now with a decent bet from us. So I, I think there's actually a chance. I mean, it's hand of the week, so it's probably not going to happen. But in the real world, <laughs> I would think <laughs> there's a chance here, but right, you would bet half the pot 150 here that uh, both players could fold and you take down a pot and, and go home with a nice profit. Um, or one or both of them are going to raise us, and then we can feel pretty confident getting out and then feeling bad that we, you know, dropped 250 on this hand. Um, but that that happens. Um so the only danger here, is if we bet that and we get two callers and don't pick up any more information, and then don't improve on the turn, uh, but at that point, I guess we'll have to figure out what happens and see whether the action happens as well too. So, right. But for me, I I got to bet one fifty here. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could be you could be behind in one hand, and you could be uh, tied with another hand. Somebody got the exact same hand as you with Ace King. You know, what I mean, that's the thing. You know, and it, it, we can't say it's less likely just because, you know, King came out. I mean, it, it it's obviously possible, and it, it happens all the time. It's a half our hands of the week or thinking that, holy cow, you know, there's no way this guy has his card, and then he does. So uh, it, I would be cautious, and normally you'd bet, like, 200 here. Um, but because there's multiple players, and we really aren't sure what the heck is going on here. Maybe you're trying to mitigate your losses, uh, or or controlling the size of the pot a little bit and if they just end up calling you then it's like okay if they raise you then you're like all right well i'm out of this hand for 250 and i still got 800 um even 900 so or eight yeah 800 so um yeah I, I i guess i agree with the 150 uh I, I normally though if you were a heads up you'd probably bet 200 um and i wonder if that means something now that you're three-handed should you bet should you bet the 200 to get one of them out at least well,
1: yeah the reason I, I would go the half pot rather than the two thirds pot is it, it's in a lot of ways a probing bet. I want to figure out what's what's going on out there. Um, so if I get check or raised or check raised even, I, I'm most likely going to fold. So I'd rather not spend an extra fifty to get the same i the same um, information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's dark. You can even do the same thing with a third of a bet, a hundred bucks maybe, um, but. I just you know, want to get some information.
0: Like you said, that's a fishy. First of all, isn't the raise the the four bet uh, fishy? I mean, if you're gonna four bet, you don't just min raise, right? Because basically it was forty five dollars, and then he made it a hundred, right? So he basically min raised with two players in the hand. You know, he didn't make it one fifty to go. He made it a hundred to go, which is fifty five more. It's basically a min raise. That's kind of peculiar too. And then he checks that flop. It's very peculiar. It's hard. you you're right, it's hard to play against this these are weird moves he's doing. They're not that not that it's you know, I'm not expecting people to be standard because then poker would be too easy if everyone did everything standardly. It's just in this hand, you would think this guy would have he four bet, and then he doesn't bet the flop. That's yeah. so fishy. This is why I'm nervous. Yeah, so I'm gonna agree with the the hundred or the hundred and fifty bet. Well,
1: again, I think you could do that with Queens too, right? So and I, I would think if this guy had queens, this is exactly how he'd play it. He, he would make that kind of smallish four bet, and then the king comes, he gets scared and, and checks. Now, in fact that he's a calling station, I don't know whether that means he calls with queens here. I don't think so. So, you know, I I, I think we'll find out. Our bet will fi- will give us that information. I think. All right, so. let's bet. Um. All right. Um. Uh, Let's see. Our hero says, I feel I'm in the same position where I'm either way ahead or way behind. Uh, The old guy could be trapping with ace, ace, or king, king. I check, and the button checks behind. Oof. See? No information gained. No.
0: I I mean, that's interesting. Again, if you're worried, why waste money? If you believe that this guy is being fishy and you believe he hit it, then you saved yourself some money here, or you're going to get the showdown for a much cheaper price than you're betting. I understand that we're not getting more info, But I, this was, this was my first, my first thought was, hey, let's check behind then, You know, let's, let's say, hey, screw you. You, You're trying to get money out of me, you know, uh, with your tricky play or with your fishy play and I'm not falling for it. Let's, let's see how much you're willing to bet on the turn and maybe I can take advantage of that, you know, when I hit my trip, you know, Kings or uh, Aces up or something on the turn, who knows, but. I I did, my initial thought was maybe we'll check, you know, it was my first reaction maybe we'll check two then and so, that's interesting, the guy the other guy checks behind too, so now we're looking at now it's only a $300 pot on the turn which is much more comfortable, which is what a turn bet normally would be at one of these games maybe a turn pot, you know what I mean now it's like, alright, well now we're back into a normal betting ar- arrangement and we're not going to lose our whole stack unless somebody goes crazy here, so um, I, I don't mind the check knowing... It. That's the other thing, too, is I need to know how this button played. If I knew the button was a passive guy who or whatever, maybe I would have thought about checking, too, just so I knew I can get to the turn and then have a much more <coughs> controlled pot size. But interesting play.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I, like, I like where you're going with that. I guess my concern with it is that um, if the turn doesn't help us and now the old guy wakes up and bets... Um, he may not bet the 150, he may bet more. So we're letting him set the price rather than us. And then we got the button behind us that we still have to figure out. So, you know, if we make that call and then we get raised at that point, um, then we have to get out. Uh, You know, I I, I see what you're saying, and uh, that's um, what happens here. Um, So we'll see what happens with it. But um, I, I think I would just rather get my information earlier than later. But, you know, it may work out, so we'll see. Um, The turn is a nine of clubs. So our board now is king of diamonds, jack of hearts, eight of spades, nine of clubs. And uh, our hero says, while this fills strays with queen ten and ten seven, those hands seem unlikely. And the older guy checks again. Holy cow. All right, well,
0: I know the Scott Long right? rule of poker is uh, everyone checks around you twice. You're not you're not checking on the turn, but, uh, yeah, you've got to bet something now. Now I bet the hundred. Just 100? Yeah, and I think that we were willing to do 100, 150 on the flop, so, you know, I mean, you could bet 200, you know, but I, you usually bet half the pot around the turn, so 150, but I was willing to bet less. These guys aren't showing a real interest in this pot yet. Now, the button could wake up now and shove on us or make it, you know, 300 or something, but I think $100 will get get some information for you here. Just stack of reds.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I, I still like the 150, so that's the way i go with it. But I, it probably doesn't matter too much at this point. Um, the reason I wouldn't want bet lighter on the flop is you had two more cards to come. But now if you have one card to come. People kind of have an idea of what they're looking for. Um, so 100 bucks would, would probably work um, better here than it would have on the flop. But uh, I'm still going with 150, so we'll see what happens.
0: And don't forget, now the guy's a calling station, so you're not going to get info from that guy no matter what you bet. Remember...
1: Well, no, he's a calling station if he has something that he can hit with. That I mean, that's the thing with the calling station, right? So, you know, if they think they have any chance at a straight or a flush, or they have bottom pair and hope they can make a second pair, that's a calling station where you're worried about it. But you know, he four bet here, so again, with the type of hands that he could have here, you know, again, I go back to what I said before. I mean, he has queens. Uh, I don't think he's going to call when there's a king on board. Um,
0: but he will on the turn because you showed no aggression on the flop, so he doesn't think you have the king now. So now yeah, he's going to call. Well, right.
1: Maybe, maybe, yeah, all right.
0: Yeah, he's a calling station. No matter what we bet, he's calling. He's not going to mm-hmm. raise us on the turn.
1: All right, well, if he has the queens, <laughs> then I then wouldn't get more money out of him. Than yeah, last. yeah, that's
0: what I mean. So uh, well, we don't know what the info You're not going to get any info out of this guy if he's just going to call down. That's the thing it's the button we want we
1: yeah want well I, I'm over. less worried about information now than the fact that it does seem like we have the best hand here, so we have to bet and, and start getting some value out of this hand um and like I said I mean like you said I mean we, the button could could have flopped a set and decided to check behind and that one's come alive when we bet so we will get information out of him uh, we may not get information out of the older guy but, yeah. um, but at this point I, I I feel like I feel more confident that I have the better better hand so I need to get some money in this pot now. Okay. All right. Um, our hero says, now it feels like I have the best hand. It is unlikely the out-of-position player would check a monster two streets in a row, and the button felt like an underpair. I bet 150 into the slightly more than $300 pot. To my surprise, the button calls, as does the other player. That <laughs> I thought the button would quickly fold. Now I'm concerned about what he has. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I, at this point... Wow. Well, I guess we'll see what happens on the river, but that that was not what I thought would happen either, so uh, I don't really know what that means. So no, I wish I'd bet 100. All right, the river is the ace of clubs, so our final board is king of diamonds, jack of hearts, eight of spades, nine of clubs, ace of clubs, obviously giving us top two pair. Um, no full house, full house or flush possibilities, he says. He says, to my utter surprise... The under the gun, the old guy, uh, promptly shoves the stack for seven seventy-five into the squiggly seven fifty pot. Wow,
0: wow, 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 wow! Did the case ace really just come out and he had? Seems like, it, doesn't it? Oh wow, 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 wow! Here's the deal. Now we don't believe that queen ten is possible, but why? Why doesn't this guy believe queen ten? Is, you know what I mean? I mean, a button could have, could have come along for Queen Ten, and got a free shot at his nine, you know what I mean, and then just called because no flush draw, no flush was out there. So I mean, this guy, this button, very well could have had Queen Ten, and yet this guy's not afraid of it. He just shoves.
1: Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still think, remembering it was four bet preflop, so.
0: But let's it, think about that for a minute. Let's just think about it for a minute. Sixteen to forty five. Guy calls a queen 10 suited for 45 when he's got 800 in his stack, and he's got position on the final hand of the night for him. Under the gun, now min raises to 55 and gets another caller. Now he's got all the pot odds in the world to call 55 does, hits an open-ended draw, and they check it around so he gets a free shot, hits it, and then they bet, and now he just calls because there's no flush and really the only thing he's worried about is a boat. He's got the nuts no matter what comes on the river unless it's a pair board. So maybe he – I mean, I'm just saying it's possible the button has queen ten and this guy doesn't care. He just shoves. So I don't think I can fold. I mean, I'm not saying that he has that. I'm just saying how do you just shove? Without having Queen Ten there, I think yeah. the button could have Queen Ten. I'm not saying he does, but the way this was played, a Queen Ten suited with somebody who's in the position has a big stack and is kind of you know, maybe he's a little loose. Maybe he's like, hey, it's final hand of the night. I want to get this in, and I'm in position. I might as well just play for fifty or a hundred bucks, you know. And now he's gonna go all in with, you know. I mean, ah, uh, I don't know. I don't think I can fold though. I think I think I got top two, and it's not a wet board for the likely holding that would be beating us here. You know, it's either a set or a straight and the straight seems unlikely. The set seems like it would have woken up long before it did now. So I I don't know. I think I'm just going to call and be wrong on the show. As always. Um, I I just don't, I don't know. I, I know I made a good case for the button having queen 10 here and we're losing to him, but it just, we have top two, we have aces up and we only got better on the river i mean it could be no see i'm taking ace king out of this guy's hand and i'm taking it probably out of the button's hand i don't think they'll have that same hand as us right so what makes this guy wake up on the river with that ace cuz he hit ace jack cuz he hit you know did he really four bet with ace jack no did he four bet with ace king probably not
1: yeah, Ace Queen makes more sense now because, I mean, if he had pocket aces, he would have been betting at some point. Um, the flop of the turn, I think, right? I mean, that was my initial thought is, oh, my God, he hit a set and now he's, he's ecstatic, but that doesn't make any sense.
0: But does Ace Queen really call 150? I mean, I know calling station's one thing, but usually they have a hand they won't let go and they just keep calling, not drawing. I well, think in this again, case. Again, Ace
1: Queen would have been a. Would have straight possibilities as well.
0: Yeah, but just a gutter. He has to attend his. Yeah, straight. the
1: calling stations don't care about that. They don't. They have any possibility they can win the pot. That that's they, they call. That's that's how they came calling. Uh, the name calling station came from. So, you know, I I think that that makes more sense. It could be Ace Jack, as you mentioned too. And and now they have Aces up, and we have better Aces up. Um, and they were calling because I just they don't had, see somebody four betting
0: preflop with Ace Queen or Ace Jack for betting i don't see that and also calling stations are also people who already have a hand and won't fold their hand no matter what you bet it's not just drawing so this guy could have had something
1: well, that would be the ace jack here
0: <clears throat> yeah i just don't see him four betting with ace jack it really feels like aces and he's the case ace on the end uh, but which is weird but i think the aces might have come alive on the turn he wouldn't have checked again on the turn so I'm a little confused. I, I, I'm i just well, going to call. I have top two.
1: Let's admit we're all completely confused. By yeah. this. Right? So that's what makes it difficult. And I told you at the beginning of the hand, right, I, I, that They're hard this to is play a tough against. player to play against, yeah. even though we're better than him, right? And this is exactly why, because now this is a staggeringly weird bet, and we've got to figure it all out. Not to mention we still have the button behind us that we don't know what's going to happen, um, although I'm a little less worried about him now than I was uh, this guy. So... Um, but you know, at this point, I mean, I I, I can't see the button unless he really improved here, adding more to it. So really, we're we're putting 775 in this hand. I think, regardless of what the button does. Um, yeah. You know, I I think my initial response was that he had pocket aces and, and he and he got his ace and now we need a fold. But the more the more I think about that, those aces don't make sense. So. I think I have to make this call.
0: Yeah, because how does he check two streets in a row with the yeah. overpair, right? And then just call when we finally bet? Wouldn't he check raised because he, you know, he four bet pre flop? So I
1: mean, again, going back to the description, though, he did say, let me go back uh, that he uh, rarely shows significant aggression post flop. Now I don't know whether that means that he just checks everything until he hits his hits his hand. I mean, I, it, that could be that that could mean that he would play aces this way doesn't make much sense to me but i, I don't know everything that's adding up it, it seems like i need to take the chance to 775 which really sucks because if we're wrong and we lose his hands you know we, we had a great session and now it's all gone on the last hand of the night and as i mentioned on the show before that's the kind of stuff that sticks with you on the drive home and really messes you up for your next couple sessions right yeah, so yeah um but if we fold here i think we got to get up and, and not see what people turn over, because the same thing, right? Yeah. I just, uh, Close my eyes, close my ears, and rack up and get the get, like, heck out of there, because that could be the same thing. So, uh, no, I, I'm going to call here, and, oh boy, last hands of the night are always rough, right?
0: Yeah, because t- yeah, if you fold, you still have basically 800 left, and you doubled your buy-in, and you go home with double buy-in, and that you feel good about it. And if you fold, if you're wrong, and you call, you know, you're basically even. So... 700, so he's a little, little almost even. Well, so, no, not right? counting
1: the um, 250 where he put in, so it's 1,000, so. Oh, oh so the two, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're all, uh, well, I mean, we'll be belted, I think. Yeah, close oh, to.
0: yeah, that's right, he put it all in. That's right, 1,050, so we've done, oh, we have 45 left. I forgot about the initial start. Ugh, oh, yeah, well, I'm still calling. I, I just can't figure this guy, if I can't figure it out and I got top two, I'm calling. That's right. You yeah. know, I so,
1: That's what you have to do, right? Yeah. All right, our hero says, now what? I go to the tank for about four minutes. I'm having trouble believing he would have played a set this way, except perhaps a set of aces. Although I thought I would have heard from that hand on the turn. A two-pair hand, ace-jack or ace-nine, ace-eight seems likely with his previous play at the table. I feel the button, who has about 5.50 left, will fold, all but a nut hand if I call. Besides, I think he has a draw or an underpair. And again, I'll mention, it doesn't really matter at that point because he can't add more to the pot. So right, right. You know He's he's a non-factor in this, I think, at this point.
0: And our, our under the gun player couldn't have a set of aces earlier because then there'd be five aces in the deck and it'd <laughs> be foul deck.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what he mentioned was the what we were talking about that pocket aces would have woken up at some point before right, the river. Right. But um, he says a, shut, a set should have raised the turn. Right. Uh, I call. All right. Well, I we got the same place we did. So let's oh, find out what. I'm nervous. The button then gets very agitated. He begins agonizing out loud over his decision. He's got and a set. I am, He has me beat. Uh, he actually turns over his hand, revealing jack-jack for a set.
0: Yeah, set of jacks. That's the that first hand I said, I think. I think it was one of the first hands I said earlier.
1: Uh, he says he can't believe he is considering folding this hand. He states he was snap-calling the older man, but my call shows such strength. He says things like uh, the long Hollywood I did trying to induce him to call. After what seems like an eternity, he throws his cards angrily into the muck. Yay! Wow. The old man turns over queen, queen, and I take down the largest pot I've ever seen in a 2-3 game for a little over $2,300.
0: Wow. Wow, the jacks. See, that's what you get for playing your jacks that way, though. I mean, seriously. Okay, so he calls, he hits his set, and he checks behind? How does he check behind in position? The whole point of playing the button is that you, you build a pot with a set like that.
1: Well, yeah and again that's that's the beauty of the button is you can, you can you're representing a wide range of hands there so you might as well bet. I mean you don't need to conceal your hand when you're on the button. Yeah. yeah. So and then a the turn
0: and then he just calls when he you know what I mean I mean yeah he got the calling station for another 150 but then he lets it go on the end. It's like you only had 800. You put 250 in there already and you've got a set of jacks. How do you not shove somewhere in there or bet more? Wow! This, and I did say that. I said of jacks. I said that earlier. Um, oh. Interesting. And so now you get the best hand to fold, and you and the queen was queens. So let's let's look at that real quick. Under yeah. the gun, he makes it sixteen because he has queens. We repop it. Someone else calls it, and then this guy only min raises basically with queens. So then, which is, I know you kind of said that was okay, but to me, I still think you don't want. You don't want a four cards against your queens. You want at least none or yeah. two, right? So, why doesn't he make it like, you know, we made it, why didn't he make it like 150 to go there and then we're probably out, you know, or he, he goes against the Jacks and loses. So, geez, no matter what, this guy's losing his money. The Jack, does the Jack really call 150? Probably not. He probably folds his Jacks because under the gun makes a four bet of 150. You're thinking your Jacks are toast, and they were. You know what I mean? He had to flop a set to catch. So then on the flop, he sees the over. He's afraid. We bet. Another guy calls, and now we call. I mean, there's the calling station, right? He's got the made hand, and he won't let it go, even though he's staring a king in his face. And you were saying before he wouldn't bet, he wouldn't call, but he did. He kept calling with a king on board. So he checks around on the flop. On the turn, we finally bet, and he doesn't. He doesn't fold. So maybe he doesn't believe us. Maybe he thinks we have a jack. And that's why he calls
1: there. Well, yeah, I mean, he could probably... But then the ace shoves?
0: Yeah. And he shoves on the ace. I mean, oh, that was horrible.
1: Yeah, there's no way that ace is a good card for him against two players, so...
0: And he shoves. And it worked because uh, for the other guy to get out, but our, our hand was better than his. If we don't hit that ace, we're out if he shoves. Our kings aren't enough for us to probably call there. But Ace-King, we can call there. Oh, man, it was like the perfect storm. I feel like Marky Mark's going to show up. (laughs) This is crazy. Oh, man. So I guess everybody played it. I mean, we kind of figured out. So the Jack-Jack stays in for the set, then checks behind. That's the biggest mistake right there, right Right there of the whole thing the check behind on that flop. First of all, you want to get value for your
1: set. Well, yeah, and here's the thing is he would have – it sounds like now he would have got uh, money out of, the, out of the older man um, since he called our bet on the turn, right? Yeah. So he, he lost 150 bucks from that guy. And we probably would have called, right? Oh, yeah. For 150 with with our king on board to see one more card. So that's 300 that he lost right there. Um, and then um, – you know, so and then the turn didn't change anything really. So at that point now he can put the hammer down and win this win this pot because at that point we, we can't we can't call a massive bet there.
0: Yeah, we can't call bet. a shove, which is probably what it'd be because he started with eight. So right. he probably shoves the turn. So you're right, we probably can't call that shove. The other guy might call because he doesn't believe us and then he loses to you. So you you either make another five hundred on top of that three and you basically double up with a little more than that. Or you know what I mean, or you win a decent sized pot without uncontested at the end, so yeah. one way or the other this this guy made a mistake every street, basically, except for the flop i mean pre flop i mean other than that i mean, and then he and then so he's ahead ahead and when he oh man, and when he finally gets the chance to make all of his money, he folds.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I may not criticize him for the fold on the river. It's tough when you have somebody that shoves and then somebody that calls at that point looking at your set. I mean, yeah. still at the set. At that point, I mean, we already thought about um, the older guy having a set of aces, and then at that point maybe you go back and think, well, maybe we had a set of kings, and that's why we checked the the flop to let people catch up, and then we bet it there. So there was a lot of a danger there, and then um, – Let's see. Well, he's, I mean, yeah, he's not the way for the straights, which I don't think are a big deal. But, um, you know, I, I might have the fold there as well, too. I don't know if I would have, but um, I, I'm not going to criticize the fold there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, his big mistakes. He he, he had a, a playbook for getting a lot of money on his hand, and he threw it out on the flop at the turn. And those those are the two streets that he could have controlled his hand and, and won a nice pot rather than losing – Whatever he lost on this. If, if,
0: if I were Ken, I'd have gotten right up from the table, taken that money, and invested it in Powerball tickets right after that. <laughs>
1: yeah, like really, exactly. And,
0: I mean, he already, he already parlayed it into uh, free membership at Advanced Poker Training, so you know, what I mean, <laughs> so now he's got four grand and, and a free membership. So good job, Ken. I'm Chris Costanza, and I'm Scott Logg. We'll see you at the table.
1: AntiUp is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the PodSafe Music Network.